0: THE LORD WILL DESCEND FROM HIS HOME ON HIGH. HE WILL APPEAR WITH HIS ANGEL BAND IN THE TWINKLING OF AN EYE. HE'LL CARRY ALL OF HIS BELIEVERS TO THE SWEET BY AND BY. imagine to be left behind can you imagine the pain our savior bore on that day from the old rugged cross to the tomb where he lay how he died for you and me we could be saved. Can you imagine? Imagine the price that he paid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, what a sign it will be to see that Easter gate, to enter in, see the beauty. To look for his face. I wanna walk with mom and dad down the shining path. Can you imagine? Imagine to be home at last. Can you imagine the pain our Savior bore on? Your rugged cross to the tomb where he lay how he died for you and me so we could be saved. Can you imagine? Imagine the price. Price that he paid.
1: The judgment of God is upon them because of this, their disobedience. And Isaiah interrupts all of this and says, Oh, yeah, by the way, the ruler of calm and tranquility. One day will come. And so in the the midst of all of this national confusion, in the midst of all of this national chaos, he said, oh, by the way, there will be one to come one day that will institute peace. The ruler of Shalom will come and bring a calm and tranquility. In a world filled with hate, peace is on its way. In a world filled with war and violence, one will come to institute peace. Can you imagine the relief that came to their hearts and mind when they heard this great message that one will come to bring peace to them? Now we fast forward 700 years later. I want you to look in the book of Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. The Hebrew shalom means calm and tranquility. We move into the New Testament. Jesus has come. The fulfillment of God's word has taken place. Aren't you glad that every jot and tittle has been fulfilled? Aren't you glad that everything God said would happen has happened and is going to happen? 700 years after Isaiah prophesied, here we go. Jesus is born. And I want you to look in verse 13. The angels are out in the, or excuse me, the shepherds are out in the field. The angel appears. It says in verse 13, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Isaiah prophesied peace is coming. The heavenly hosts proclaimed in verse 14, Peace is here. Peace is on earth. In the Greek, this word peace means rest. It is in contrast with strife. It is denoting the absence of strife in the midst of these Jews, experiencing this takeover from the Roman government. Here they are in the same state they were 700 years earlier. And the same message that Isaiah preached about peace, the heavenly host said, peace is here. The one to bring an end to strife. And you know the thing about it, and it's kind of like we talked about the mighty God, the reason the Jews did not accept Jesus as their Messiah is because he did not do what they wanted uh, wanted him to do. They wanted him to whip the Roman government. They wanted him to bring peace between them and Rome. They wanted national peace. They wanted physical peace. But when the angel and the heavenly host proclaimed that peace On earth they're not talking about there's going to be this world peace that they're going to experience because the greatest need of Israel was not to make peace with Rome the greatest need of Israel was not to make peace with all the other countries the greatest need of Israel was to make peace with an Almighty God and folks you can make peace with one another but if you don't have the peace of God something is wrong and there will always be something missing But in reality today, there will never be world peace. There will never be calm in your life. We live in a world of chaos and confusion. I just uh, heard something last night. Coach Ed Ogeron was interviewed after the game, and he was telling his assistant coach about 12.30 yesterday, he said, I've never gone through a week of a bowl game preparing that we've had nothing go wrong. Not one person is late. Not one person has done this or this and this. And they were bragging about how good it was. And at that moment, he got a text that his offensive coordinator's daughter-in-law was just killed in a plane crash. Folks, no matter how much peace that you think there is, it will come to an end because the curse of sin upon this world. And these Jews long for a physical peace but, folks, Jesus didn't come to bring physical peace his first time. He's coming to bring it the second time. But the first time, he came to bring peace between mankind and God. These countries will never get along. There will never be world peace. But let the missiles take off. Let the, 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 the waves roll. Folks, if you have the peace of God in your heart, If you have the peace of God inside, you got it all. You've got it all. I want you to notice, number one, that Jesus came to bring peace to our hearts. I want you to look in Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. That's why the, the, uh, the Jews were so disappointed because they wanted this national peace. They wanted this physical peace. But folks, what if God could bring a peace within our hearts? What if the, the world is raging, but our hearts are calm? What if everything around us is wrong, but inside it's right? Isn't that what we should long for today? Amen. Folks, you'll never fix the world, but your heart can be fixed today. You'll never bring peace to this chaos, but you can bring peace to your heart. Notice what it said in verse 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, the Jews did not need to make peace with Rome, they needed to make peace with God. May I tell you this morning that we must make peace with God. Jesus came to this world to bring peace between us and God. He did not come to bring peace between countries, He did not come to bring peace between families. But he came to bring peace between mankind and a holy and righteous God. Sin has alienated us. Sin has distanced us. But Jesus came so that we can make peace with God. Sinner, understand today, everyone in this room comes short of the glory of God. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And when we realize we're sinners, there's a guilt, there's a punishment There's a conviction that comes upon us. May I tell you, it will never be right until you make peace with God. There will never be a calm. There will never be a joy in your life until you make peace with God. People say, I need to make peace with this one. I need to make peace with this one. Folks, you better make peace with God before it's eternally too late. There's a problem between us and God. You know what Jesus came to do? He came to resolve that problem. He came to bring peace. He came to reconcile. He came to bring us back into fellowship. And yes, I need to be right with everybody in this room. But if I can't be right with God, I'll never be right with y'all. If you can't get along with God, who can you get along with? Folks, we need to make peace with God. There's a problem, and we're sinners. And we come short of the glory of God. And it'll never be right till you make peace. How you make peace, preacher? You get saved. You humble yourself before God. You ask Jesus to come into your life and to save you and to forgive you of your sins. And at that very moment, I promise you, there's going to be a joy that enters you. There's going to be a joy unspeakable and full of glory that enters into your life. There will be a peace that passeth all understanding that you've never experienced before. But you can't have it through baptism. Y'all didn't hear me. You can't have it through baptism. You can't have it by living a good life. You live it by making peace with God. And that's by accepting Jesus as your Savior and applying His finished work to your life. Aren't you thankful that He came to bring peace? I hope and pray you have peace with God. Look in Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, it is amazing to me how we long for the peace of God. But understand, folks, you will never experience the peace of God until you make peace with God. You must make peace with God before you can experience that peace that passeth all understanding. Notice Philippians 4 and verse 7, And the peace of God which passeth all understanding. What does that mean? When it doesn't even make sense. When it doesn't even make sense. Shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That word keep means to guard. He's simply saying that we receive, when we make peace with God, that we receive the peace of God. And the peace of God begins to keep us and guard us. And what did he say? Guards our hearts and our minds. What is our hearts? It is our feelings. It is, if you will, our emotions. It is the feelings inside. And the Bible simply says that when you receive the peace of God, that His peace will guard your feelings and your emotions. That no matter what's going on in the world, that He is guarding our hearts from losing it. That deep down inside of our hearts, His peace is guarding us in keeping us From losing it and flipping out. Isn't it amazing that when Daniel stood up for for the Lord and he went to the lion's den and King Darius cast him in, the next morning King Darius hadn't slept all night. When you're lost, you can't sleep. When you're lost, there's no rest. There's nobody to guard your feelings and your emotions. He stayed up all night, worried to death. Daniel was rested He went over there, Daniel, you down there? Yeah, king, I'm fine. My God came and he shut the mouths of the lions. That old king was up all night, stirred up about everything, worried to death. But the man that was in the den with the lions had peace that passeth all understanding. He wasn't afraid. He wasn't scared because God kept his heart with the peace of God. Let cancer come. Let death come. Let tragedy come. And may the peace of God keep your hearts, your feelings, and in your minds. Let your thoughts. Whew. I don't know about y'all, but I'm glad y'all don't know my thoughts sometimes. It's dangerous what goes on up in here. And what do we do when something bad happens? It's the worst ever. I tell my wife all the time, I said, Baby, you are the worst hypochondriac I've ever seen in my life. She gets a headache, she's got a brain tumor. I mean, it's just, it is the worst of the worst. Don't you tell her I said that now. <laughs> she goes from here to here, and I do the same. My kids had fever this week, and they were sick, and I'm thinking, Oh, my goodness, we got leukemia. We got, I mean, it's just, our thoughts are everywhere. And the devil's a liar, and he lies to us. And he tries to make it so much worse than it really is. And our thoughts just go everywhere. Folks, we need the peace of God to control our minds. We we don't need to lose it. We don't have to lose it because we know who's in control. And the peace of God should not only guard our hearts, but should guard our minds. Arrested in prison at midnight, most of us would be, oh, God, why me? Paul and Silas just to singing, just to praising the Lord. Man, we get a a broken toenail and we're out for two weeks. Man, they're thrown in prison and they're singing and they're shouting. You know why? Because they're experiencing the peace of God. The world don't understand why we're shouting and singing when bad things are going on. They don't understand that when the national tragedies come that we have prayer meetings. They don't understand why we're by the bed of people of God's people dying that we're over there singing and rejoicing. They don't get it. They don't understand it, and they never will until they make peace with God. And when they make peace with God, they will experience the peace of God. I don't know about y'all, but I'm glad Jesus came and brought me peace. There's enough chaos in this world There's enough confusion in this world that I don't have to have it in here and I don't have to have it in here. That there can be a rest and a calm and a tranquility. Aren't you thankful? The worst of the worst news and there's still hope. The worst of the worst tragedies, you're still smiling. People call us crazy. I call it being saved, knowing Jesus. Man, what a peace. What a peace. I hope and pray that you know that peace. I want you to look in Isaiah 65. Isaiah 65. Are you still with me? Isaiah 65. Not only did Jesus come to bring peace to our hearts, but one day he will come to bring peace to the earth. I want to say this, and I want everybody to listen. This earth will never be fixed. And I want to say this too. Quit blaming God for all the bad stuff. Isn't it amazing how he gets the blame for all the bad stuff, and we rob him of the glory of all the good stuff? Quit blaming him for the bad stuff because this earth is cursed with sin. Cancer will probably never go away. Death will never go away. Sin will continue on. Heartache will continue on. Friends, the only fix to this earth is to burn it up. Isn't that bad? That's how curse-stricken this earth is. There is no more physical hope for this earth. Nations will never get along again, probably. It will always be something or somebody. That's why one day Jesus is going to step in on that white horse, and we're going to be with him, praise the Lord, for the battle of Armageddon. And after the battle of Armageddon, he's going to destroy the earth with fire. You know what he's going to do? He's going to start over. Y'all could smile just a little bit. That ought to bring just a little bit of hope. My Lord, Jesus is going to start over. And that means that all this that we're experiencing now is going to be gone. It's going to be passed away. And there's going to be a brand new earth. I want you to look in verse 17. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth. And the former shall not be remembered nor come into mind. I'm going to read that again. I hope more amen this time. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered nor come into mind. You know why we can't get excited about that? Because we're so in love with this former world. We're so in love with the things of this world. We can't get our minds off of what we're doing in a few hours. We don't want this to end. Child of God, you want it to end. Because you know on the other side it's going to be better. You know that all the former things are going to be passed away. And you know what I like? You're not going to remember it. You're not going to remember those deaths. You're not going to remember those tears. You're not going to remember the heartache. I don't know about y'all. CNN won't be there, and I'm glad about it. Amen? We don't have to bring up the past anymore. It's all wiped away. I don't know about y'all, but I want a new start. We need a new start. We've messed this thing up enough. I'm glad he's going to give us a brand new beginning. And all those things are going to be forgotten. Whew, I, man. I'm glad I'm Missionary Baptist. I'd run a lap right now. Boy, ain't that good. We ain't even going to remember all this stuff. Verse 18. But be ye glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem of rejoicing. And her people of joy. God is never going to have to say, would y'all smile? Would y'all get excited? He's not going to have to say it. Because we're going to have it automatically. Living in the joy of Jesus Christ. Happiness and excitement and joy. There won't be anything there to wipe that away anymore. Oh, I long for that. And I will rejoice in Jerusalem and joy in my people. And the voice of weeping shall be no more heard in her, nor the voice of crying. Miss Jan, no more tears. Boy, we've said a lot, hadn't we? And we're going to say a lot more. Until that glorious day. Verse 20. There shall be no more thence an infant of days, nor an old man that has not filled his days. For the child shall die a hundred years old, but the sinner, being a hundred years old, shall be accursed. And they shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat the fruit of them. We're going to work, but it's going to be a good work, a pleasant work. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant, and another eat. For as the days of a tree are the days of my people, and mine elect shall long enjoy the work of their hands. You know what that means? No more fire ants. No more weeds. Praise the Lord. Man. They shall not labor in vain, nor bring forth for trouble. For they are the seed of the blessed of the Lord and their offspring with them. And it shall come to pass, my Lord, it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they are speaking, I will hear. Some of us are still waiting on an answer. You're not going to be waiting there. There's not going to be anything to interrupt our communication between us and God anymore. And the wolf and the lamb shall feed together. And the lion shall eat straw like the bullock. And dust shall be the serpent's meat. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all of my holy mountain. No more murder. No more strife. No more pain. No more jail. No more crime. Peace and harmony. You don't have to worry about your kids when they go off to school anymore. You don't have to worry about your kids getting cancer. So much peace. Folks, I long for that day. But we're not there yet. He hadn't brought me physical peace, but he's brought me spiritual peace.